It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. With everything that went on yesterday with the Bucks and the NBA and the, the sort of dominoes that occurred, we did not get to the newest Washington Post story about the Washington football team. We're going to have one of the authors on later in the show, uh, but we cannot let this sit by because last time when the Washington Post revealed the allegations of a number of women that had worked there, of a terrible company culture, uh, harassment up and down the levels uh, from broadcasters to VPs, uh, one thing that was notably missing was anything that truly indicted owner Daniel Snyder, outside of just an overall lack of, of awareness or lack of control for the franchise that he oversaw. This new story explicitly alleges that he was part of a group in the front office that that uh, requested and enjoyed a highlight reel from a cheerleading video shoot where they took, quote-unquote, the best parts or the good bits, and that included nipples and crotches and, and parts of the video that were going to be edited out for the privacy and according to the requests of the women that were involved in, and the promises made to them about who would see it and, and how they would be protected. Well, instead, someone edited it and, and sent it up the up the chain to the people who, who requested it. And, you know, women not being allowed to go to different parts of the building because they might be distracting. Women being uh, uh, treated in ways that are, are absolutely revolting. And now that Snyder is involved, the, the real question fits is, can he continue to hang on to this team as he brings it uh, a, a reputation that feels beyond saving? You know, I think the the phrase that I used so much when we got the last group of allegations was plausible deniability. And one thing in the first Washington Post reporting that was hard to make was a direct link to Dan Snyder knowing. It was easy to presume that he created the culture, but there was no direct link. And so I kept walking away from the last uh, last article saying, okay, maybe somehow he's gotten lucky here and he's saved himself. I can't find that out of anything that we're reading now because it does directly link, as you mentioned, the the video that uh, allegedly was created of the cheerleaders uh, that he was in possession of. So uh, there's a couple of things there that really hit me. Number one, the NFL came out and said they're going to you know continue to do their investigation. We've heard nothing of what they found so far in their first investigation. But number two. I've got to look at it and say, what's it take? And I'll be the first to admit that my own thinking evolves on some of these things. And one thing, though, that I've been adamant about is fans yell all the time for owners to be forced to sell a team. If you're a bad owner, if you are just incapable of hiring good coaches or finding good quarterbacks or good coordinators, you can't get a stadium built, all of the things that people love from their owners. If you're bad at all of those things, I don't think you can demand somebody be forced to sell. If you are an awful human being and you do the things that, that he's being accused of, then, of course, what's the limit? What's the line? At what point does the NFL turn around and decide that they've got a Donald Sterling-type situation on their hands where somebody is acting in such an awful, awful way that they just can no longer be in business with them? If the line isn't being met right now, I have to wonder where the hell the line actually is for the entire NFL, not just for the Washington football team. Yeah, and you're right. I, I feel the same way. It was like everybody crossing their fingers and holding their breath and hoping something would come out about Daniel Snyder because they just want him to stop losing and running the team into the ground felt bad, even though I totally understood where they were coming from. So I don't want to be swayed by this give me something I can work with kind of approach to it. But what I read was more than enough. And Sally Jenkins absolutely eviscerated uh, Daniel Snyder in a piece that she wrote. And he, she was on the Levitard show with Stu Gatz today and talked about how 
the way that the insular NFL is, it's the only reason he's still got a job. In any other industry, this guy would be so gone. In any publicly traded company, in any other industry, his business partners would absolutely jettison him overnight. I mean, this isn't just a small blip on the Dan Snyder screen. This is a systematic uh, harassment of women in the building over 21 years. There are 42 women who've come forward to the Washington Post. 42. Yeah, that last part fits. That really hit. It is, I mean, it is embarrassing for the league, and I can't figure out why they don't want to do anything. And that I, I understand that they are protective of each other for some reason, and I understand, like I said, I, the, the, being bad at your job is not a reason to fire you. But if you've, created, if you've created this culture, which he's a part of, and I, I think people are glossing over too much the, the cheerleader photo shoot because, I mean, there's just professional decorum that's expected in these instances from I photographers. I criminal. From, a thousand percent. I mean, yeah. when you hire a photographer to take these photos, one of the things that's very clear in the process is who's going to have edit on them? What's going to be done with the pictures Closed that don't make set. it? How's it going to be handled? And where's all the footage going to go? And and even on small levels, like you and I have done promo shoots for Spain and Fitz in the past, and every picture has to be approved, right? There's a process that you go through because there it takes a level of trust for that trust to be violated. And then to find out the owner of the team, at least allegedly at this point, is in possession of a of a movie made of the out clips from it for his own pleasure. I mean, that's disgusting. And they're it's criminal. It's immoral. It's not, like they, yeah, it's it, not even people off the street that you hired for a photo shoot and then you got creepy with. It's the women that work for you and that are around you and the team all day. This is what I want Roger Goodell to tell everybody. I want him to be transparent about what they find in their investigation. And if there isn't penalty that includes having a team taken away, I would really love for Roger Goodell to finally come out and tell us exactly where that line of demarcation lies. Because if it's not being met, then at least tell us what the standard is so that we know how to hold Dan Snyder accountable to anything or any owner moving forward. There's got to be lines in the sand, just like there is for all the policies they have for players. When are we going to find out what the policies are for owners who are acting a fool and doing things that are absolutely awful? Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Yeah, at this point, you have enough to say that he has violated uh, rules of the league, which are to bring you know embarrassment to the league, to be a, to be somebody who is not uh, who has conduct de- detrimental to the welfare of professional football. Um, and I think enough people have put that case together. And I think it seems so in, in, impossible to to recover from and to fix that culture, regardless of whether they hire Julie Donaldson or they hire, you know, the first black man to be president. I think that's the title. Um, you know, there's so much more to get to. And it feels like only the very top being removed and replaced uh, can solve it. That's a that's straight talk from Sarah. Straight talk wireless. No contracts, no compromise. I'll just say this quickly, Sarah. If it was a player for that Washington football team that was in mm-hmm. possession of that stuff, what would happen to him? Would he ever mm-hmm. get to play again for that team? Yeah, and and the fact that he had attention to detail on whether or not you made the little triangle out of his toilet paper and what kind of ice you used, but then said he just doesn't pay enough attention to some things, that's a tough one to pull off there. Coming up, we're going to talk to a WNBA head coach about how his league is handling these social justice issues next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. 
want to give you guys a quick update on one of the stories we were referencing earlier as video is out on social media uh, that appears. It looks like Mets GM Brody Van Wagenen is speaking about Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred and an issue where the team was debating whether or not to play. We do know at this point Mets Marlins not playing this evening, but there has been a statement about the video that is circulating. That statement from the Mets says, quote, Jeff Wilpon called Commissioner Manfred this afternoon to notify him that our players voted not to play. They discussed the challenges of rescheduling the game. Jeff proposed an idea of playing the game an hour later. I misunderstood that this was the commissioner's idea. In actuality, this was Jeff's suggestion. The players have already made their decision, so I felt the suggestion was not helpful. My frustration with the commissioner was wrong and unfounded. I apologize to the commissioner for my disrespectful comments and poor judgment in inaccurately describing the contents of his private conversation with Jeff Wilpon. That's coming directly from the Mets and uh, general manager Brody Van Wagner. we got a lot to react to with that. We'll do that in a little bit. But first, we want to get to the Shell Penzo performance line right now where we're joined by WNBA Chicago Sky head coach James Wade. Coach, I thank you so much for your time. I know these are crazy, very busy times for you and what uh, the WNBA is dealing with. We appreciate your time. Uh, there's a quote from you earlier today. If Jacob Blake were a dog and the police were to shoot him seven times in the same spot, we would have had a lot more people up in arms. So what does that tell you about my value? I want to start by just handing you this moment, this opportunity to talk about how you've been speaking with your players about self-value in this modern society. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, we, we've talked, uh, we've had conversation, and it's, it's, I think the difficult uh, thing is, you know, you have people who hear you uh, and, and they, they, but they don't understand. They don't understand what it's like to, you know, uh, be in your skin. Uh, and sometimes they, they, you know, see you as someone that's just howling at the moon and just screaming, woe is me. Uh, but the one thing about the WNBA is, and the players here, no matter what, what background they come from, they, they've been around enough, especially in this sport, around minority people to actually sympathize and uh, see the struggles that they, that they have. And um, and so to have all the players on board and actually, you know, when I talk to the players, them understand and, um, you know, them actually go through an experience with me where I was seen as less than and them to actually be there. That was uh, a defining moment, I think, for us as a group, um, you know, and for them to understand that, you know, although you see me as your leader, you see me as your coach. Outside of that, I'm not seen as the same uh, person or I don't have the same value in everybody else's eyes. Coach, last night you were supposed to join us, but there was a player meeting and an hour plus later you were still in that meeting. Uh, I'd love to hear what went on and, and what you came away with. Uh, So we talked about, you know, everything that was going on about uh, teams that had decided not to play about everything across other leagues and, you know, what we were really, you know, there for. Because, you know, when we were deciding to, you know, join the bubble, um, a lot of the players uh, on our team were, were, were saying, hey, we don't want this to, 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 you know, to be a distraction of, of what, you know, our cause for is to coming uh, into this bubble. Like we know that we're playing and we want to win games, but we're coming here with a purpose. And that's to um, actually – you know, uh, make make a, a better light of what's going on in, in society. And once we got here, 
we tried the best of our ability, but the fact that we are playing games and a compacted schedule, that could be very challenging. And so when we held our meeting last night, it, it was just time for us to kind of put our cards on the table and say, hey, look, we've done this. Uh, we've been through this. Uh, now it's time for us to refocus because this isn't getting any better. Uh, you know, like uh, at, at the point of it, you know, we, 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 we started a Say Her Name campaign, uh, which, uh, you know, which had, a, uh, I guess, a, a, a focal issue on Breonna Taylor as well as others. Uh, but, you know, once Jacob Floyd, I mean, Jacob Blake, sorry, Jacob Blake kind of, uh, once this incident happened, it kind of showed us like, hey, what we're doing is probably not enough. And, and we we probably have to take this one step further. And uh, that's what our talk was about last night. And it was an emotional meeting. And we actually talked about a lot of things about how uh, players were feeling at that point. Because once you do that and you 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 have all these issues that continue to just just come alive and with with new victims daily, it's um it can be overwhelming. We're talking to WNBA Chicago Sky head coach James Wade, coach. You just mentioned some of the change that you guys are looking for. Uh, what specifics are you and the players looking for the WNBA to accomplish in trying to affect change? Uh, I just think we have to be more vocal. Like we we have causes. Like uh, us in Chicago Sky have you know um, you know tried to to play for a purpose and we play for a different charities, different organizations, different causes, and we try to make light of that. Um, we try to make light of that each game, you know, by donating money out of our own pockets. Um, our fans have matched us. Our ownership has matched us. and But we want the WNBA to actually, you know, uh, make even even go a step further and, you know, continue to, to make moves and to do things. Like, what they're doing is good. Uh, but as long as we still have things happening in the streets, um, it, it needs to go further. Like we, we have to, you know, I know we talk about voting and that's really important. Uh, but the idea that, you know, leadership, you know, where leadership is right now and how they uh, mock the black community is, I, I just, we just can't stand for it anymore. Uh, and, and that's what I, I think they're putting the foot down and they're trying to get the WNBA to, to follow suit. James Wade, Chicago Sky head coach with us on the Shell Pencil Performance Line here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Coach, I'm curious, as I looked at an MLS owner who went on a sort of unhinged rant on the radio today about, you know, not going to try to get good free agents and serve his team anymore because he was so angry and personally injured by them boycotting their game last night. We've seen the owners of the Sky be vocal. We've seen the WNBA, the NBA, all these people be on the side of the players and this evolution and, and fight for equality. Are there people within your uh, team or the larger league that you still find don't get it? People that you still need to explain it to or fights that are still internal? Or is this all something where you can feel unified and take on government, lawmakers, et cetera? I think for the most part, uh, I think for the most part in our league, we've always had a very, um, you know, uh, supportive league when it comes to, I guess, 99% of ownership. Uh, but there is a. We know which uh, one you're talking about. Yeah, there is a part <laughs> owner down there in the south that yeah. um, you know. Uh, I, I think uh, she's she's just part of a, a group of individuals that um, actually mock the suffering of uh, the black and brown people in the United States, and um, they don't see the importance of it. And um, I think it's sad. 
Um, I, I, and I think it's inhumane for someone to think that way. Um, and, and, you know, especially when you have a group of people that are in pain and that have been in pain for quite some time. And now actually voices that represent it, that, uh, you know, that actually represent us, that people listen to, um, that vocalize, look, we're in pain. Uh, this is what is going on in our community. And all they have to do is listen. Uh, and But a lot of times they don't listen. They actually raise their voices even louder and um, and try to, uh, I guess, blast us as being ignorant or uh, just not knowing our place. And uh, that's, for me, uh, like I said, that's inhumane. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at Coach James Wade. Coach, I know this is an incredibly hectic time, and we genuinely appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about what's going on with the WNBA and all things social justice related. Thank you so much for giving us the insight, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All eyes continue to be on the entire sports world as they figure out what games will will be played, what games won't be played. And what it means is seasons continue to progress. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And all of our guests uh, join us on the show, Penzo Performance Line. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, speaking of that, we're going to get right to this because uh, with all the action going on in the NBA, this is an incredible opportunity to head over to that Shell Penzo Performance Line where we are joined by Detroit Pistons head coach, Dwayne Casey. Coach, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us with all the chaos going on. Uh, just want to get your initial reactions first off as everything unfolded last night. Well, one, uh, surprised but proud uh, of the players that uh, stepped up and stood for a cause that they felt was right. Um, you know, and, and, and ashamed. I'm ashamed of the fact that my generation, the 50 and 60 generation, uh, didn't stand up like these young men are doing right now. And, uh, you know, they're paving the way for the future uh, far more than, than my generation did. And, um, and, you know, I think that it was the right thing to do uh, because, again, you know, Doc said it very eloquently the other night, uh, you know, nobody can feel how, you know, an African-American can feel right, wrong, and different, whether you agree or disagree, of of the fear uh, and and to see a situation that happened in Kenosha, the George Floyd murder, uh, it, you, you, it, just, it just goes through you as an African-American. And whether you're a basketball player, doctor, lawyer, janitor, teacher, doesn't matter. You're still African-American, and it hurts. And I think that's what the players are standing up for all of us, uh, you know, in that situation. Coach, how involved have you been in these conversations? Because the Pistons obviously not in the bubble, but if this were to keep going and if this strike-slash-boycott were to uh, end the season, it would affect player and coach salaries next season, CBA ramifications. So were you guys looped in last night? Well, I was I was clued in. I was watching it very closely. Uh, I know our coaches association are very involved in in different things, more so in our market. Uh, our big initiative here in in uh, Detroit is to get out and vote. Uh, I know myself and Arn Tellum and Tom Gores is we've offered our we've presented our practice facility as a voting hub as a super station as far as a voting uh, spot is concerned. And so uh, we're involved with that. So that's those type of things in trying to educate 
the players and the community uh, and being involved from that standpoint is kind of what we've been doing more so than anything else uh, locally. And from a national standpoint, just watching what's going on in the bubble so far. We're talking to Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey. Uh, coach, you just mentioned some of the things you guys have been doing locally. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that a player can still have their voice heard from inside the bubble? No question. I, I truly think, and I, I am happy that they did decide to stay. Uh, again, it's, it, it was the player's prerogative, their choice, their right as an NBA player, uh, you know, to, to do that. But I do think that their platform is bigger by staying there and playing than, uh, than anything else. I know from being in the bubble, they probably feel like they're isolated uh, and trapped and can't get out, but they still have a, a bigger voice than they think they do. And I do know LeBron is very involved in the voting initiative, and he's doing it with, with his money as well as his voice uh, and contributing that way. And so there's a lot of things they can do. I saw where the Milwaukee Bucks were uh, involved with the, uh, gov- the you know, lieutenant governor of Wisconsin having their voice heard, uh, trying to get things changed legislatively uh, there in, in Wisconsin. So, uh, there's a lot of things you can, they can do in the in the bubble, even though they probably don't feel like they can get things done. Coach Casey, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. that, of course, being in the bubble, you do feel restricted, mm-hmm. at least physically, if not, you know, in your abilities uh, time-wise and everything else to, to pursue mm-hmm. activism. Have your players who are outside of the bubble found ways to continue to be active uh, during this playoff stretch that they're not a part of? Yeah, no question. I, I know uh, – you know, again, where the marches, the, uh, the protests and everything, the players were involved in that. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of different things. The voting initiative, they've been, been involved in that. Uh, and, you know, different local. I know some of the players in the L.A., Blake's in L.A., involved in things with that. He's doing some things with uh, the justice system in Oklahoma. So they've been very active. And, again, you know, it's that something that you just can't force players to do uh, a lot of some of that comes with maturity and experience in life and some of the young players probably are not as confident in stepping out and doing things and saying things that uh, a guy like Blake would or you know a guy like Derek Rose would do but uh, they're very active and again probably everything they, they're doing is they're not doing it for show and not jumping up and down and saying, hey, look what I'm doing, So, which is, is, is I respect just as much. But, uh, you know, we feel an obligation to do as much, especially myself, an African-American who come through segregation in the South. Uh, this is one piece of legacy that I can leave for my kids and, and for, you know, kids here in Detroit, uh, 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 you know, to try to have a, a small – piece, a small um, part of changing things, whether it's just the justice system, the voting system, uh, or things that's going on with, with the police brutality. Coach, you've mentioned uh, in talking to us here that uh, you wish that maybe your generation had handled things differently, and it's impressive how this generation is yeah. handling it. What's mm-hmm. changed? Well, that's a good point. The, the, the thing that's changed is the fact that Players are now, and coaches are now. We all are more feel more free. Uh, probably our voices would have been squashed very quickly 
back in the 70s and, and early 80s or late 60s, if you had stepped out, you just saw what Muhammad Ali, uh, the pictures of Bill Russell, Jim Brown, and those, how historic that was when they, you know, threatened to boycott the All-Star game. You know, it was, uh, it was almost unheard of. Whereas today, you see what they're doing today. So uh, the the power, the the platform, the the financial security that players and coaches have today uh, have lent them lent itself to um, ha- having a platform and having a, a voice to be heard. Where I would say twenty years ago, thirty years ago, uh, you know, those voices have been quickly squashed. We're talking to Detroit Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. My tiny piece of optimism, despite the mm. frustration and the depression of mm. the last few days and months mm. and years, has been the idea that the center slowly moves and that progress mm-hmm. doesn't happen overnight. So perhaps the difference mm. now is also due to the work of your generation as much as mm. you wish you'd solved it altogether. It's mm. those gradual steps that allow the activism of today to take those next steps. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. coach, you know, as a coach, of course, you're about basketball and X's and O's. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot right. of leadership, and it's a lot of mm-hmm. being a role model, and it's a lot of speaking mm-hmm. to younger black men about what you've already been through. So what do you tell your right. players who are scared or frustrated about what they're seeing now and what they've experienced? Well, it, like you said, sir, it, it's, it is about hope. Uh, you hope that things will change and, and you can contribute, whether it's financially, your voice, your time, uh, to that cause. Uh, but then something like what happens in Wisconsin the other night, right, wrong, and different, you know, though, that happened. And so that kind of knocks you back a little bit. When, as soon as you start seeing that ray of light, a ray of hope, something like that happened. And until we eradicate that, I know you're not going to do it completely, like you said, sir, all together, right at once. But until we eradicate, you know, those instances, uh, you know, it's all we're always going to be on the back of our heels. But again, as a leader, try to keep guys hopeful, looking forward, trying to be a a, 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 a change agent to to create change within the community or within your group or within your little uh, area. Uh, that's what I try to continue to preach. And again, be educated on what's going on being educated of where we come from, and that's why I try to lend a helping hand of what it was like in the 60s and the 70s, and there is progress, but it's been at a snail's pace, and then you see something that that happened the other night, because there's always going to be, you know, things like that, but the difference is you look at what happened in Kenosha. Here's a young man who is there walking down the street, you know, people yelling, he shot two people, he shot two people with a gun. And he goes right by the police, mm-hmm. all right, not arrested until the next day in the state of Illinois. A gentleman who is apparently unarmed, three officers around him, he gets shot seven times as he goes, gets in the car. You know, whether he's resisting arrest or not, it's not a, a case of a death penalty case. So, those kind of throw you for a loop when you see those. You, you, until we eradicate those situations, those different situations, and the way people view that young man in Kenosha with the AK-47 or whatever it was, walking down the middle of the street after shooting somebody, walks right past policemen, doesn't get arrested. And until we eradicate the differences between those two, those 
biases that people have, uh, that's that we're not going to continue to go forward. But there is hope, and and that's why the players in the NBA have took a stand the other night. And I know there's two sides. There's people saying, well, they should just stick to playing basketball. But again, if they do that, it will go even at a slower pace. So I'm proud of what they've done and. Uh, again, they're, they they have that right as American citizens to protest in that way, um, and I'm just proud that they did that. Coach, real quick before we let you go, I know we're up against it, but i, I got to ask, so much of the conversation yesterday was about <clears throat> specifics, too. What do players in the league want next? If you had mm-hmm. your opportunity to speak to the league, what would you ask them to put their specific weight and influence behind in terms of specific demands or policy changes? Well, I would say to more in the one I would say is continue, continue to fight to vote. Because my great friend father couldn't vote, and the voting is is a is something that's precious that we have to take advantage of. Two, our justice system has to change the difference in the way African Americans are treated versus, you know, uh, you know, uh, white people are treated seeing the difference between those two, to continue to fight for that. But, again, to be patient, be, be consistent, persistent. It's not going to happen overnight, as you said, Sarah, but be persistent. But do it in a very informed, educated way and understand, you know, what you're talking about when you do go to fight for those situations. And what Milwaukee is doing with their state legislature is the first step, is trying to you know, change legislation within their state, uh, and, and in doing it from that way and using the platform that they have. Coach, hearing you speak with this emotion and transparency is very powerful. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, my friend. Thank you so much for the insight and expertise. Stay safe, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Sarah. Classless punk. Dissolute twerp. Conspicuous fool. Quote, Dan Snyder has wrecked nine different coaches and been through 21 different quarterbacks in two decades without ever threatening to win so much as a stuffed animal. Sally mm. Jenkins went in on Daniel Snyder in a story that was a, was a response to the latest accusations provided by the Washington Post, 100-plus sources spoken to around the Washington football team revealing a culture that this time, much more so than the last round of accusations, implicates owner Dan Snyder and has many calling for his job. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. One of the authors of that Washington Post piece and the previous piece that first brought light to the latest round of allegations uh, on a team that's had an endless number of them is Liz Clark, and she's joining us here now on Spain and Fitz. Liz, thanks for joining us again. Oh, Sarah and Jason, just so much. Thanks for having me. Um, so I just want to say how much I bow down to my coworker, Sally Jenkins, who, of course, is a columnist, and nobody tees off with more passion than Sally. So to sort of reset expectations, as you explained, I'm a, a reporter. Right. So um, I, I'm going to do my best to stick to uh, the absolute facts of what our reporting showed, and it was it was reporting done with my coworkers, Will Hobson and Beth Reinhardt, this time, building on, as you alluded to, a story a month ago. Yeah. So um, it's, it, 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 a, a 
bunch of facts and allegations and dates, and you just take a firm hand and direct me in <laughs> what it is, where you want to head, Perfect. and how well, I can help. I'm not going to put words in your mouth either, but I'm yeah. assuming that that's a tacit endorsement for Sally's opinion and the fact that you wish you could express it yourself, but because you're a reporter, <laughs> we're going to stick to the facts. Well. Um, <laughs> again, not putting words in your mouth. That's me editorializing, just like Sally. Um, yeah, let's get into this, because one of yes. the things that people said last time was, a terrible culture, disgusting across the board, but Dan Snyder was still somehow escaping that with with this sort of tepid, I need to pay more attention to what's going on. Well, now we learn in this one, he's paying attention to the way his ice is handed to him and his toilet paper looks, but not to these massive accusations of harassment and, in fact, was involved in the video that we've spoken about earlier in the show with the good bits of cheerleaders. Um, tell me about the process between the last story and this one. Was it a whole bunch of new people coming forward and saying, I also want to be heard? Sure. You know, your instincts are very good. Yeah, it's not like we had material for two stories and we said, oh, let's drop this part now and then come back with the other part later. I mean, we reported a month ago the best information, um, you know, we had when it was ready and vetted. And that's what we knew. What we didn't anticipate was how many people, how many former employees would contact us the very day it was published, you know, as it, as it was published the next day. Um, both male and female employees, frankly, of the team over the years, over the past 20 years, who said, um, that story was dead on. Thank you for writing that. I cried because it was my life too. Um, others said, oh no, you barely scratched the surface. There's more, there's more troubling. You didn't get at some things I want to tell you about that I saw, that I experienced. So we simply followed, um, you know, what, what they had to tell us and, and spent an enormous amount of time and effort doing our best to vet and verify what what they were some of these anecdotes and things we we couldn't or of course are not in the story but but this grew out of reporting from the earlier story and if i could just add for several of the people who we heard from after the first story ran they actually cited this statement that dan snyder put out in response to the story about the 15 women harassed um which in effect did not really shoulder responsibility i mean it, it did say yes uh we are going to hire an outside law firm who is going to come in and do an investigation and recommend a new culture. But, but in the words of the people who came to us, they said, no, 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 no. I didn't hear from him that he was responsible. And he actually knew, I mean, several of them said, I know he knew about the culture and that's why I'm going to speak out now and, and talk to you. So oddly it was in part the way the team handled the first story that I think motivated some of the people to reach out to the Post. We're speaking to Liz Clark from the Washington Post on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Liz, I, that's really interesting to me because the team did come out and sort of make a statement after the initial article. Given that, did you find that the team was more helpful when you reached out to them to try and vet some of this stuff than they were in the previous article? Well, you know, it was quite a different I guess outcome. We tried to follow the same process um, in in both cases, which is, you know, when our reporting was done, when we felt we had had 
you know, vetted everything we needed to vet. We went to the team with a very um, explicit, clear, lengthy memo of here's what our story is going to say. You know, you can't ask someone to comment unless they know what are the nature of the allegations. And, and so we presented that to them both the first time and the second time. And, you know, we're hopeful of a response and we got a response and, and, um, had my coworker Will in particular had good follow up conversations um, about that first story. Um, this time, the team chose not to engage, um, and we went uh, had some conversations back and forth for actually eight days over trying to get the team's response, um, and they chose not to respond. Uh, one of the things that was at issue is how so the videos that I take it you discussed earlier in the show, they, they reflect two different years and two different staffs. And one of the people who, who came forward provided those videos to the Post. So we are in possession of the two illicit or unauthorized videos from the 2008-2010 calendar shoots. So um, the team wanted a copy of that or they, uh, so that they could put it through a forensic analysis. And for many, many reasons that, that are probably obvious to you and your listeners, both legal, ethical, um, we can't email uh, an unauthorized video with nudity in it, nor can we make a copy um, for someone and give it to them. You know, we, we had proposed uh, bringing them our lap, you know, bringing us and our laptops and here's the video and showing it to them. We, we did very much want the team to see it so they can see what we're talking about. Um, and that just was a bit of an, an impasse there. So um, the team chose not to engage with us. And, and, and we made clear we were going to go ahead after eight days to, to run the story, which we did. And then it was that later that same day that Dan Snyder came with a personal statement. And then, uh, and this was yesterday, uh, I hope I've got my sequence of days right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, that night, um, the new team president uh, uh, circulated a statement that was uh, said to be from the team. And then uh, the highest-ranking woman, Julie Donaldson, a senior VP, also released a third statement, and she said that these are my personal feelings. And so those those three statements uh, in the span of six hours, there was a lot of response after eight days of no response. And, and there was a pretty striking difference in content and tone from the owner's statement and then the two by the new officials who – um, are relatively new in their jobs and are very clear that they have been brought in to bring about a culture change and to create a workplace that's inclusive, respectful, empowering, and they they take this job seriously and they're they're you know all about the task and their statements reflected those priorities as I read them. Yeah, Liz, there was a very clear difference. We're talking to Liz Clark of the Washington Post, one of the authors of both of the recent stories revealing the damaging culture. Uh, at the Washington football team. We're running out of time here, so I wanted to ask you quickly in this last minute. You, you mentioned that Dan Snyder's uh, statement, vastly different than the other two, called it a hit job, said it relied on unnamed sources and allegations that are very old, 10 to 20 years old. You, you talked to over 100 people and at least 42 women uh, verified that they were mistreated there. What's your response to someone like Dan Snyder saying that about the piece? Well, I definitely don't want to get in a in a to and fro with the owner of the team, 
But as our reporting, the story makes clear, I certainly can speak to our process. Um, Our reporting was thorough. Our behavior was professional. Um, We did not include uh, material that we could not vet. Um, We did interview more than 100 people. Uh, 17 of whom for this story were on the record, 12 of them former employees that came forward with their names with stories of harassment or a hostile workplace. Um, Three additional non-employees vetted, came forward with their names to vet those accounts. Um, And then two employees are on the record by name pushing back um, specifically on on the uh, some sources account of how the video was created or even whether these these videos existed so um, so that is our process uh, I, and I I think we all are, are, are proud of the work and most importantly we want it to we hope it serves a constructive purpose as you know um, Sarah ha- having reported on on many difficult newsy issues this is not the kind of story you you take a bow on or or feel great or want anybody to say congratulations it's really unpleasant material it's difficult material and and our goal is to to follow the facts and to to give voice to um, many of these people who are muzzled by NDAs uh, which are at issue and are fearful of lawsuits because um, because that's an option too for the outer um, and and ultimately hope that this reporting serves a constructive purpose. Well, it certainly feels like it already has and it's getting some wheels in motion that are long overdue. Thanks so much for the time, Liz, and excellent reporting. Thank you both. Thank you both. Bye bye. Liz Clark of the Washington Post host with us here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up, we'll react to some of what Liz had to say. Also, we keep talking about how the center has moved. That does not mean there are not still extremes in sports. And one owner of a team reacted to last night's boycott in ways you won't believe. It's coming up next. We just talked to Liz Clark, one of the authors of both of the noteworthy articles about the Washington football team in the Washington Post in recent weeks. And Fitz, immediately after we hung up and went to break, we both just sort of said, oh, how is it possible that after the last article, when the football team and Dan Snyder and everybody in the top ranks sort of feigned surprise, right? Meanwhile, they had had employees uh, quit the team and walk away and quote unquote retire in advance of that article coming out because they had been asked enough questions to know that something was coming. And that kind of, they kind of played dumb on it. Oh, here's our response after the fact. <laughs> this time, you already had a scathing article revealing a terrible culture that clearly needed to be fixed. You made some hires. Good on you for that. But then this article's coming down the pike. You're getting asked questions about it, and you play the same card of we're not going to be proactive. We're going to be reactive. Our owner is still going to try to take down the reporting process at a paper that goes through 100 sources before reporting any of this. It just feels like the same brutal cycle that we've seen a million times over, and I don't know that I trust the NFL at all to do an investigation that's going to produce any result that we think is fair. Especially given the fact that the response to this was very simple. I mean, uh, you don't have to be media savvy to understand that the team and the league could have, and in my mind should have, very immediately released a statement saying, 
we're obviously in the middle of our internal investigation to get to the bottom of everything that's related to this culture. We're going to expand it to include these accusations so that we can get to the bottom of everything and fix it all. I mean, it's that simple to come out and say we want to be a helping hand knowing what's been discussed in the past and knowing that we need to be better. When they resist this sort of reporting at this point, when you come out with the same type of response that we've expected in the past, I don't know how they expect any benefit of the doubt or, frankly, what the heck Dan Snyder thinks he deserves benefit of the doubt for. So at some point, if I'm looking across the board, I'm saying this is about transparency and accountability. And if the league and the team aren't willing to be part of the process in getting to the bottom of every accusation around the team right now, then I can't trust the transparency and I can't trust how real they're being in any of the response. And to Liz Clark's point, which was a fantastic one, Julie Donaldson, who was elevated to her position, the highest ranking woman taking over for uh, Larry Michael, who's in, indicted in, in as one of the people who requested and enjoyed that gross uh, cheerleader edited tape, she comes comes out with a statement. You know, I'm saddened and disheartened. I won't make excuses or defenses against these allegations. Meanwhile, Jason Wright, brand new hire as well, comes out with a statement that he says is representative of the other ti- t- the, the other uh, members of this team. We will take swift and decisive action. We will lift the heaviness my colleagues are feeling today. Our journey starts now, and then. You've got Dan Snyder with the, you know, this is a hit job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It it, it says everything that you just said about the very highest level. They won't be taken seriously. They're expressing disappointment in the women that are coming forward. This according to Dan Snyder. Um, And so, yeah, you just wonder how it's possible to move forward if he's still overseeing things. We'll keep an eye, of course, on what the NFL says about this, what their investigations reveal, and how much we think they're actually looking in to whether Dan Snyder can oversee a franchise without bringing deep shame and embarrassment to the te- to the league in ways going beyond all of the all of the failures on the football field. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We wanted to talk, and we teased it earlier, something that went down in the MLS. Pretty shocking, actually. As we see uh, multiple teams and players and leagues try to figure out how to come together and agree on how to react to what was begun by the B- uh, Bucks last night but that is now spread across all different sports, uh, there is a sense that many teams have come together in ownership releasing statements supporting the actions of their players. Meanwhile, MLS owner Del Loy Hansen, who owns Real Salt Lake, decided he's the real victim here. And he said in a radio program, quote, the disrespect is profound to me personally of his player's decision to sit out. It was on a uh, U- local Utah radio station. Uh, wealthy guy. He owns a couple other teams, including the Utah Royals of the NWSL. Um, and this was supposed to be the first game back for his uh, MLS team with fans in the stands. So he decided to make it all about the loss for the fans who planned to attend. He said it's a moment of sadness. Again, not what's going on in our country, not the civil unrest, not the shooting of Jacob Blake, but the postponement of the game. It's a moment of sadness. It's like somebody stabbed you and you're trying to figure out a way to pull the knife out and move forward. So he's now comparing Physical acts of violence, which is exactly what's being protested, but he's using them metaphorically to explain the pain that he's feeling for one boycotted game. Then he goes on to say they won't be inviting fans back, that he's going to have to cut jobs, that he's going to have to not invest in the team anymore. He said it was a liberal agenda. He said we're going to have to lay off people from our food, our, our Levy, we're going to have to, I'm not going to spend as much money on free agents. I'm not going to invest in the team as much anymore. Fitz, can he keep this team? No. MLS needs to step in right away and fix this. And, you know, it's funny, Taylor Twelman, uh, who we both know and, and 
uh, love working with it flat out said that soccer is the most racist sport in the world and that's mm -hmm. coming from somebody that loves it and spends all of his time and energy in it and he meant it uh, when he said it because it's time to to speak about these things openly for mls to have an owner that's speaking this way and to have an owner that's coming out and implying that the players by standing up for something that matters to them so much are actually keeping concessions people unemployed essentially by going to that level of it i don't know how mls can ever make that sort of line up with the values and views that they should have as a league right now when it comes to having respectful conversations nothing about any of this was respectful and for him to have that kind of meltdown is a level of embarrassment the league can't afford at this point there are so many people trying to get into the mls game i would challenge that there are many owners right now that would love the opportunity to own a team and the mls should step in as a league and decide that they don't want to be a part of that yeah and not just for his completely tone-deaf statements and the ways in which he somehow made the the brutal maiming of this man less important than what it felt like to him to see a postponement but also the implication that he's not going to invest in the success of the team. How do you keep an owner? Listen, we know how much trouble something like the NBA has gone to make sure that no one implies even for a second that tanking is going on, right? And he's coming out right now and saying, it's taken a lot of wind out of my sails. What effort I want to put into recruiting players and building a great team. It just yeah, seems that's not a very good path to take. I don't know how you go forward with that. You don't. If an owner says they're not going to invest in the business, take it and give it to somebody that will invest mm -hmm. in the business, and maybe it'll teach him some sort of lesson. And I know Josie Altador is one who said, I, are, I have the funds and the plan, and I'm willing to get together with a group of people and buy. I think we all like seeing former players, for the most part, uh, take over teams and at least have a shot at that ownership role, knowing what they've already known uh, as, as, a, as a player. Interesting to see what happens with that, too. We, of course, have a lot to get to in tomorrow's show. Thanks to all the guests who joined us tonight. Coming up, Clinton Yates and L. Duncan are going to take over with the intersection. Guarantee that's going to be a conversation you want to stick around for. Fitz, nice talking to you. See you tomorrow. Okay, Sarah, so before we get out of here, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give little uh, nuggets of different things in the podcast. They don't get on the radio show, and I didn't get the chance to ask you a very important question okay. in the world today. All right, you ready okay. for this? Yes. What do you miss, the, not sports, but like what do you miss outside of sports the most being able to just go to, like an event or whatever in this mm. COVID world? Okay, well, that's definitely live music for me, concerts, because that is my happy place. In fact, sometimes I hold a contest in my head with no winner, and then I ask myself why I'm doing this empty exercise because it only makes me sad. And it's always like, what would you, if you had to give up one, would you give up sports or life or music? And then I'm like, <laughs> why am I forced? Why am I putting myself in this situation? That's never going to happen. I get to have both of them because uh, sports make me like so happy and I get so into it with these like crowds of people. But I go to music concerts and I cry like a moron because I'm, and people are like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm good. I'm so good. <laughs> I love so that I answer. Think like, definitely that. And you're right because you know I had tickets to a bunch of different things this year. Like there were a lot of tours uh, that you know. Pearl every, Jam every, in every, Europe. Uh, well, the, leave it to you to be like really sophisticated and have a great answer. <laughs> like I'm just talking about the Backstreet Boys. We're going back on the road. Come on. Oh that's my like, God! Of course. On, of course. You, even, you, you just plus, keep wanting to bring your wife just to see if one day she'll finally leave you for good because you yeah, know she what, loves it, those. Backstreet I mean, if she leaves me for a Backstreet Boy, what am I going to say? Right? You know, <laughs> what does he have that I? Oh yeah, honey, I get it. Is that weird uh, situation where you have a hall pass for your wife? You're like, here's the people <laughs> you're allowed to leave me for. I'm like, you go and you sleep with one of them right now. Uh, Tell me all no, about. <laughs> and, and like in fairness, living in Connecticut, there were a lot of country tours that were going to come through. So I was excited to see a lot of buddies this year, you yeah. know, and, and go out. But I think for me, I need your guidance a little bit because I just I genuinely miss 
as dumb as this sounds to a lot of people, like going to the movies. And I think for me, like, oh yeah, you're big on those though. You had like I, the movie pass. It, I, yeah, because like it's the one time that my mind shuts off. I'm off my phone. I'm not thinking. I'm not worried mm. about like what's next in my career or life or you know <laughs> all these things that just suddenly like the hamster never stops spinning for me until I'm in a movie theater and they just reopened some of the movie theaters around. And now I'm in that weird spot where, like, okay, they've got the big comfy chairs, you know, and, and it's pretty easy to stay six feet away from people. I just don't know if I'm comfortable going. Like, I've given myself this anxiety over just the thought of being in the theater when, in fact, that would give me a lot of relaxation. I think. I don't know what to do. So I'll say that, you know, most of the experts say it's like these prolonged times of period with other people. So 15 minutes plus in, in you know, contact with someone. Um, but you'd be wearing a mask. You'd be socially distanced. In the, and, and it's much harder to get now, they believe, from, like, surfaces. It has to be the perfect combination of a certain heat and, and temperature and, like, all the other stuff. Um, it's probably fairly safe, but I don't know if just mentally I want to do anything right now that's extended periods of time indoors with anybody that isn't, like, my husband. You know what I mean? And I think I actually, over the summer, started to get, like, creeping out a little bit more into the world of exploring and being like, I think this is safe. And now as the numbers are going up literally everywhere, I'm kind of like, I'm good at my house. My house is fine. I can watch movies at home. That's fine. Well, and that's been one of the craziest parts about life is that we've all reached this line where you'll look over and be like, you'll see your friend post something where they're somewhere out and about. And you're like, oh, that idiot. What are they doing? And you're saying that while you're looking at your phone. But then you're like, oh, but I, you know, I could go over to this yeah. table over here. It's fine. You're like, I, yeah. I, I, you I see get a photo it. and I, then you're like, actually, someone could have taken the same photo of me last weekend. <laughs> but it felt safe because I knew those people. And <laughs> Oh, I knew I, I know that everybody around me is safe is the top argument I hear mostly from my friends that are I know are acting like idiots. I think for right. me, the hard part is like you, you can put the mask down to eat or drink. And I'm just imagining my constant obsession with the guy three rows behind me that's shoveling popcorn the, whole, the entire time. And I'm like. You got to take it at that point. You you got to be socially responsible. You have to take as much popcorn in your hand as once, and then take it all. I didn't even and, think and, about and, it. I'm out. I didn't yeah. even think about it because, yeah, the 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 joy. One of the joys of going to see a movie theater movie is you have a giant buttery pounds worth of popcorn, and you get to eat it kernel by kernel slowly for like an hour. Like at least that's for me. I don't do big. I I like to like just enjoy it for like the entirety of the film. I don't want to take my mask up and down for that, but I don't want to be anywhere near where I can hear somebody's saliva leaving their body. No, yeah, and, and then I feel like I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I'm cheap, right? I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> sneak a, a seltzer water in my back pocket, but I'm going to buy that popcorn, and and then I want to enjoy it for the duration. Like, I want to do the awkward, mm, every once in oh, a while. No, like, don't I just do, want, don't do that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Also, speaking of being cheap, can we talk about how we got an email from PETA? who was listening to our show and felt sorry for me that you haven't paid up any of your bets. And they're literally sending me a vegan charcuterie board to prove that, A, I don't need the meats, which I, I'm vegetarian, so I don't want them. But also just because they took pity on me for how cheap and what a terrible person you are at owning up to your bets. Does that count as a payoff? No. Well, good, because I now I can to tell you they're sending me one, two. I'm just, what the? I'm just saying that that's no! right. That's right. Oh, you know me. I mean, if Peter sends a we want to send a charcuterie board email, you know I'm going to hoss up on this that. This is like, how is... you know what a nice person Jason Fitz is. He somehow gets away with not paying up any of his bets and getting free stuff out of it. Like, you lost everything, and you're still getting as much as I am. You know what? I, I'm I'm eating plant-based, and they understand that that's a, at times a trial and tribulation, you know and they're trying to reward me, Sarah. That's all. Uh, okay, so before we get out of here, I know, obviously, uh, Chicago, near and dear to your heart. That's uh, the city you love. That's the city you live in. 
a lot of, a lot of big news out of Chicago. We talk about Chicago a lot, but one Chicago prominent Chicago former mm. Chicago Bear is uh, sort of his social media. I know rubbed a bunch of us, yourself included, the wrong way. Yeah, I'm gonna make this quick because I actually, for a couple years now, have seen some of Brian Urlacher's posts on social media and been like, oh. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to bury that fandom because he was one of my favorite players on the field. Uh, there was this heyday for the Bears defense, and it was Briggs and Erlacher and Mike Brown and Peanut Tillman and all these guys. And, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. And a couple years ago when I started to see some of his posts, I had to put that baby to bed. And today I was reminded why, as he liked a post Free Kyle Rittenhouse, Patriot Lives Matter. That's, of course, the 17-year-old that murdered two people in Kenosha. And then he defended the fact that Brett Favre played a football game on a day when his father passed away, but the NBA players are boycotting because, quote, a dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by police. Right? Mm -hmm. Just taking the whataboutism and the red herrings and the rhetorical fallacies, every single logical way to approach a disingenuous argument all packed into one, two paragraphs. And it was sad. And a bunch of people came ask me how I felt, and I was able to say, I already mourned the loss of that fandom, so it doesn't hurt as much. And my advice to everyone is this. As much as it sucks, if you just apply the same rule to everyone, whether that's Louis C.K., who I saw in person multiple times who I took a picture all you know friendly with at the Peabody Awards to Sean White who I was cheering as an American hero until I found out his story to Brian Urlacher when somebody lets you down when somebody disappoints you when somebody exhibits behavior or words that are despicable it's much easier to just have the same rule for all of them which is bye see ya I don't need to be a fan anymore and I don't even need to be sad about it because there are plenty of other great people out there that I can root for and cheer for and engage with it's just a lot easier than picking different rules for different people. I didn't have to work for this. I didn't have to say, oh, let me figure out a way that I could still like him. No, I'm good. I'm good. I really like you as a football player, and that's 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 uh, that's about it for now. I love it. I love the honesty on it, and uh, we love having hanging out with you guys, giving you some of this exclusive stuff. You only get it on the podcast. Remember to tell everybody to rate, review, subscribe, even send it to the people you don't like. Just make sure everybody's on board for the Spain and Fitz podcast. Sarah, I have no idea. Tomorrow's Friday. I have no idea Friday. what we're going to do. That's, that's what we're going to do. All right. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll hang out with everybody then. Sarah, have a wonderful day. You too.